Scott and Paul Show, episode 51. Happy Halloween, Scott. Happy Halloween. Um, well, PlayStation Classic, official list. Are you ready for this one? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear about all these freaking classic games. Classic games. Will this be worth $100 for stuff you played, what, 20 years ago? Something like that. 23. 23. Battle Arena Toshinden. Cool Borders 2. Destruction Derby. Final Fantasy 7. Grand Theft Auto. Intelligent Cube. Jumping Flash. Metal Gear Solid. Mr. Driller. Odd World. Abe's Odyssey. Rayman. Resident Evil. Director's Cut. Revelations. Persona. Ridge Racer. Height 4. Super Puzzle Fighter 2. Turbo. Siphon Filter. Tekken. 3. Tom Clancy's Rainbow, <laughs> Rainbow 6. Twisted Metal. And Wild Arms. These will be available December 3rd for $100. Well, how do you think the list is, Scott? Well, I have heard some negative comments on the interwebs, but I mean, really, those are some pretty good games overall. Overall, overall. it's a good list, yes. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure Grand Theft Auto is going to play like shit, but they're including that because it's Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> so it'll say it on the box. I do not foresee Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six playing well, or aging well. Uh, the same for Jumping Flash, uh, but most of the other ones... Should translate pretty well. I mean, Tekken 3 is is pretty good. Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo is really, really good. It's Raymond's really good, a platformer. Right? Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's some good games on there. We got a little bit of everything on here. Destruction Derby was fun. I remember the particle effects in Destruction Derby blew my freaking mind the first time I played that. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to hold up, but yeah. Oh, yeah. The basic gameplay probably would play would hold up. Ballerina to Shenden is super slow, but that's you know for 1995 it wasn't. Yeah, 30 frames a second. Fighting slow. Yeah, playing that and you're playing uh, Soul Calibur like Six now. Or something. Yeah, it's gonna be rough. Um, Metal Gear Solid holds up fairly well. Yeah, the the thing is now that you know. I think I said it on this show, or at least talking to you. Resident Evil Director's Cut, I bought that at the same time I bought the DualShock. And it says right on the case, now supports DualShock. And this does not come to DualShock. Were there two different versions of the Director's Cut? There were two different cases, I, I remember that. I remember they had the yellow... The yellow um, one text one, bubble that said Dual Shock or whatever, if now, I'm not mistaken. Now supports the Dual Shock and had the liquor on it. Yeah. The other one just had the dude with the gun. Yeah. Yeah, I bought the one with the dude with the gun. So there's two. Not the dude with the gun, but the, the one with the liquor on it. That's right? It. Yeah. Okay. One that supports it and one that doesn't. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean. I'm not. A, I don't have a problem with tank controls and the D-pad, but that might be a hard one for some people that didn't really grow up with that series quite the way we did. But this is aimed at people that 
are revisiting the PS1 classics. This isn't something that a collector, unless they're kind of hooked on having these particular devices, is going to be too hot for. Because a lot of these games, I mean, this is stuff that you find in yard sales and stuff, pretty common. Hey, for some some people, this is their NES classic. Yes, exactly. That's That's who it's marketed at. So I think people having a stroke in the collector's arena... I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've had 55 copies of freaking Siphon Filter probably. Um, but I, it's a good list. Yeah. I probably would have included a few more games or traded a couple games out. Like instead of Twisted Metal, I would have probably done Twisted Metal 2. But that might have been a soundtrack licensing issue. I'm not sure. Um, or Twisted Metal. Was, was Black on here no, or was that PlayStation was, 2? That was... That made me PlayStation 3. That was PlayStation 3. Yeah. Yeah. But well, Twisted Metal was still good. Um, I mean, Final Fantasy VII, I mean, that game on eBay is around 20 to $25. No. I'd say probably 18 to 25 depending on Black Label or not. That's just a guess from the last time I really paid attention to it. I'm going to guess Resident Evil Director's Cut, probably 10 to 15 bucks. Well, Final Fantasy VII was a system seller. Definitely. Yeah, so I mean, if you think about it, you know, Wild Arms—that's an RPG. I mean, I'm going to guess twenty bare minimum, but I, again, that's a guess. So right now, we're almost up to sixty bucks just in three games. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to have the larger PS1, and this will connect. I'm assuming this connects through HDMI. Yeah. So I mean that 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 makes a difference. Again, I don't know what the price of some of these other games are. I'm going to guess Metal Gear Solid's less than 10 because of how many copies probably float around out there. Same for Grand Theft Auto. Um, Rayman, I don't know, 5 to 10 bucks. Again, these are guesses. I'm not huge on collecting PS1. I mean, I love it. It's a pretty cool little system, but... You know, if I see it and I don't have it in a yard sale or something or a thrift store, I grab it. Don't get me wrong, but... I mean... Really, if you eBay these, you probably would be close in just a few titles to a hundred dollars. Now you could buy a PS One for like five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> You'll pay more in shipping for it than you will for what most people sell them for, probably. Um, I know the local flea markets usually put five dollars on them with a con- with two controls and all the cords. But no usually memory card. Memory- <laughs> no memory card. Memory cards five more bucks. Yeah. But in fact. The guy that used to run the uh, booth at the flea market that's local, before he went to prison, um, he sold memory cards for the same price he sold the PS once, and it was five bucks. So, and sometimes he would just randomly give away the PS ones. He had a nice little supply. Uh, yeah, his his he had. Uh, about as many copies of PS1s as he did copies of Top Gun for Nintendo. Well. I'm trying to think here. I mean, I'm interested in it. Just well, you got your fighting game. PS1. Yeah. Yeah, well. You got your fighting games. There's only one fighting game on here. I remember Intelligent Cube. 
I remember I can see it in my head until I've cute. watched the video. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that. Yeah. And, but I, I don't know that I ever played – I might have played a demo for it, but I don't know that I ever played it. I know it's considered a pretty good game, though. Yeah, I, I, we got the demo. It came on one of the demo discs, I think, when you first bought the system. Yes, I do believe so. Yeah. Yeah, it, it came on the demo. <laughs> I remember right now. It did come on a demo disc. Yeah. Mr. Driller, I never played that game. Yeah, I'm <sighs> – I've heard the name. I really can't tell you much about that one. Pretty sure that's the only game on here I have not played. That and Jumping Flash. Never played that. Jumping Flash, I believe, came on with the first demo disc, if not the first one. Did it? It was like some rabbit-looking robot thing, and it was like first person. It was mind-blowing in 1995, and to me, what little bit I can remember of it, but I think you were like a giant rabbit robot, and you were having to learn to jump around in a three-dimensional environment. It was kind of crazy, but I don't remember a whole lot about it, other than the bright colors and stuff. I'm, I'd have to look that one up. I'm surprised Parappa Rapper isn't on here, though. Yeah, I mean, there's some glaring emissions. Number one is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I mean, that was the... yeah. Well, maybe Konami wanted more money for that. Possibly. I mean, that game sells for a black label. I don't know, 40 bucks, maybe 50 bucks. I'm not 100% sure. It might be more than that. I would have took cool orders off there and put Castlevania on there. I bet it's more like 70 or 80. That, that game is pretty, the black label and all that. But yeah, Castlevania might have been the fact that they still sell it on like Xbox Live and stuff like that. But you are getting Metal Gear, so maybe that was the trade-off. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. You think they would have included like the VR Missions expansion? I mean, that's Konami. So I wonder what maybe maybe they're going to release another version, and you'll get um, Castlevania. <laughs> maybe they just thought we're making too much money with Pachinko, so we're not going to deal with it. Right. I have Castlevania for the Xbox 360, and I don't like playing it on 360 because they're D-pad shit, and I hate playing platformers with joysticks for the most part. Yeah. It just feels weird after all the muscle memory I have playing all I, the others. I could have sworn I bought it for 360, but I didn't. I kept looking. I was like, why hasn't it been brought over to my Xbox One X? And now I looked like, oh, I guess I didn't. We just installed it on our Xbox One tonight because my son and I watched the series, the season two. Um, Symphony of the Night Black Label looks like it's auctioning up to around seventy to eighty bucks on eBay. Greatest hits doesn't really have one. That's the one I had. Yeah, I don't really see anything jumping out at me. Looks like maybe about fifty or sixty. Yeah, that's a fantastic game. It is. It's probably the best Castlevania game. Probably. First one's really good, but Symphony of the Night's the best one. One, three, Symphony of the Night, uh, Portrait of Run. I've I've beat the first two DS ones. Super Castlevania Four is amazing. There's a lot of good Castlevania games. There's a couple bad ones, but for the most part, they're really good. And I really like Castlevania too. But 
I mean, that's like torture porn. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like you're at a hostel. Uh, what's it? What's well, like? Yeah, hostel. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, a hostel. Like, it's like Jigsaw got a hold of you. It's like you're going yeah. to play this video game. Yeah. <laughs> Sixty four is is just horrible. Yeah, I think if if Jigsaw was going to use the video game theme trap, he would put you either down with Legend of Zelda without a guide, <laughs> or Castlevania Two without a guide. Like, you have to get through them or you're dead. Shit. <laughs> like, how, how, how who the hell is going to walk around burning every bush in Zelda, right? Yeah. yeah. At some point, somebody did, then told somebody else, and then it spread like wildfire. Yeah, he would probably have me play Zelda. <laughs> yeah. But, again, that already, one, that already like turned base game. If you, don't, if you don't have any of this stuff, and... There are some really good games on here. Rayman, that's a good one. Odd World, Abe's Odyssey, that's really good. Uh, I've never been a Rayman game. So. I have three or four Rayman games. I've never beat one. I've never completed one either. I have a couple. I know I I played the crap out of Rayman Legends on the Wii U. I just never finished it. Yeah. They're they're really good games. They're excellent games, (laughs) actually. Never beat yeah, Not they're some of my favorite games I've played in the last yeah. five to six years. I, I feel really bad. Ubisoft made a great game. All of them are great. I just even the um, portable ones are good. I just I don't know what happened. I just I get taken away from them. I have Legends on PS4. I think that's. Uh, Rayman 1, I had on PlayStation. Rayman 3, we got on Gold. I just can't ever finish them. Uh, Something that will never be finished, the DLC for Friday the 13th. This is kind of old news, but we're going to go ahead and cover this anyway because we haven't done anything. And we need news stories because it's Halloween. Um... So the publisher, well not publisher, but the, who is this? Wes Kelter. Gun Media Dude. He, is he the game developer? Yes, game developer. For Friday 13th, the game did a Q&A. And he basically said that due to the lawsuit that the original film writer had for Friday the 13th, there will absolutely be no DLC coming for Friday the 13th, the game. Well, ever, until everything gets cleaned up. Which kind of sucks for the people who picked up the game on PlayStation Plus recently. Yeah, I mean, I like the game. I just, it has a big problem... With the player base, it's not the best game. There's no doubt about that. There's bugs and things like that that have existed for too long, which they have fixed and rebalanced it a lot. Um, sometimes they screwed up, and it seems like the last time I played it, the pocket knives being everywhere was a problem again. But anyways, uh, if you've never played it, pocket knives, uh, if counselors are running around with like two pocket knives, it, and everybody has like two of them, it just makes it a pain in the butt to play the game. But anyways, 
yeah, they get caught up in this, and they have some DLC that's on hold. Is that the way to look at it, or well, just never happening? Well, like, Uber Jason was close to being finished. Um, Grindel Map had still had months of work to go. When this content was leaked, they were under 50% completion. So yeah. the Grindel will never probably see the light of day, is what he was saying. Uh, right now, they can't even put out, like, a shovel. The only thing that they can do is just keep the servers running, and if there's a bug fixed, they can fix that. But right now, there's nothing they can do. Yeah, the dedicated servers went live. That was a huge improvement. The biggest problem yeah. with that game is as soon as somebody died, they would just quit, and they were the host, and then everybody got booted, and you could never finish. It was really hard to finish an online game, unless you got lucky and you had a patient group of players. Uh, you know, again, like I said, it is a, it, it can there can be some really great moments in it. Uh, it's just not very consistent in that regard. But I still play it off and on. I mean, because it's freaking Friday the Thirteenth, and it's okay. And if you don't know what the lawsuit was about, according to I don't know what the name of the judge was, but U.S. District Court Judge Stefan Underhill Underhill yeah. granted in favor of Miller and against the producers. Uh, Miller will control rights inside the U.S. while producers control the rights everywhere else. That's what screws everything up. Uh, quote, nearly 40 years ago, a screenplay was written about Camp Crystal Lake. The film created from the screenplay went on to significant commercial success. Lurking below that peaceful surface, however, was the Copyright Act's termination right waiting for just the right moment when it would emerge and wreak havoc on the rights to the screenplay. Quote, Judge, I hold that Miller did not prepare the screenplay as a right, as a work for hire, sorry, and that Miller's second termination notice validly terminated Har's rights to copyright the screenplay, copyright in the screenplay to Friday the 13th. So... That's going to be tied up in court for years. Yeah. Uh, in some, although Cunningham possessed ultimate approval authority over Miller's output, the fact is consistent with a hiring party's role in both independent contractor and employment relationships. The simple fact that Cunningham provided direction or supervision is also not yeah, uh, basically, this is screwed up. So what he's saying is it's not a work for hire. Yeah, he was able to, uh, it escapes me at the moment, but he was able to prove something about dates. with a, I believe there was even pictures of his side of it that made it on the internet, screenplays and stuff. So basically, um, settings, characters, and lore created in the... 80 screenplay are off limits to anyone except for Miller. Now, as far so like Voorhees, Crystal Lake, you know, all the settings, all that stuff that belongs to Miller. Now, as far as like a dude wearing a hockey mask, you know, Scott and I can write a script using that because that didn't happen until you know the third film. So that's up for grabs. Anybody can do that. You just can't call a guy Voorhees and put him in Camp Crystal Lake. 
but you're not going to get any DLC. Yes, I, I would like to see Uber Jason and Grendel and some more counselors, but... But you can't call him Jason. I'm, but they can't call him Jason. I just haven't played a lot of the game recently. What a mess. But you know what you can play? Night Trap. Again. Again? And again, again, on the 25th anniversary is coming to something that Scott actually has, the one only person that I actually know, on Vita. Yes, a Vita, a great little handheld system that I turned my nose up at for years. Um, limited run games and developers screaming villains and villains, screaming villains have announced that Night Trap, the 25th anniversary edition, will be releasing for PlayStation Vita on November 2nd. And also, the same day, pre-orders for the physical copies of PlayStation 4 Double Switch 25th Anniversary Edition will go live. The game will be released on December 11, 2018. That's a little Corey Haim game. Yes, and they they essentially, it looks like they found the original footage for these remasters because the video is very clean. Very clean, nice, and pretty. Unlike the grainy mess that we had before. Well, Sega CD is not much you can do. The 3DO actually looked pretty nice. Yeah. I own the Sega CD version of Double Switch, and I have at some point had the disc for Night Trap in my possession, but I do not have it anymore. I did too. I played Double Switch for all of about 10 minutes, like most FMV games. But we did finish uh, Night Trap for all these reasons. Um, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At that time, it's like, holy cow. I don't even remember whose house I played it at. Maybe it was Corey Fowler's. I don't remember. And I was just like, oh my god, this is crazy. There's women on 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 a video game. Oh my god. Oh, they look good. Yeah. Um, Did that come out on like the 32X also? Yes. Came out on 32X. And I downloaded the, uh, I mean, I, uh, there was like this thing called a ROM that I saw on the internet that I did not download because that's wrong. And it didn't really look that much better. It was bigger, but you still had the, um, this Sega can't do colors. It's, it's no, like, I just looked it up. The Sega CD slash 32X edition. Okay, yeah. yeah, I've played a few of those games like that. Yeah. Like Fahrenheit. Yeah, 32X just can't... I mean, it's still running off of Sega. Right. But Genesis just can't do it. It's not Super Nintendo. Now, the whole Genesis does when the 10 don't, eh, not really. Can't flip that over. Yeah. <laughs> 512 colors versus how many? Like 32,000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Sega Genesis. Don't get me wrong. I did too. Fantastic freaking system, but there is a. They have superior sports games. The color palette is something that all Genesis games had that similar palette. And there were very few games to me that really popped. Most of them just seemed a little muted, brownish, greenish. I mean, to be like common thread. They did have the superior Latin. I don't, I don't know why, but they did. 
Yeah, and... Uh, Robocop vs. Terminator was better. It's better version of Robocop vs. Terminator. Um, I will Although, argue to the day I die that <laughs> Super Nintendo version of Mortal Kombat played better, even if it didn't have oh, blood. It, it did, so did Mortal Kombat 2. And Mortal Kombat 2 was a huge step over the Sega Genesis version. A huge, huge difference. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like... Wow. Leaps and bounds. Holy shit. I don't know yes. what happened there. Uh, Probe? Was that who it was? One of those Acclaim Studios or something? Did the... I believe that's who it was. I can't, I, I'm probably wrong. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Probe. And I think they handled the port, and it wasn't very well done. Yeah. I mean, it played basically all right, but I remember watching a video of a guy one time talk about how it was superior on the Genesis... And it was just like, dude, it's like it's missing half the frames of animation. The music isn't as good. The it just it was just muddier. I mean, it just it did not hold. I mean, it's it's a good game still. Don't get me wrong, but oh, it yeah. just didn't hold the candle to the Super Nintendo version. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Sega guys, but that's just the simple fact of the you know a little bit of processing power difference. Yeah, it's just a newer system. It's what happens. Yeah. But I will hold that. I don't know if it's superior or not, but I loved Sega's explosions, just the way they looked and sounded. I think it had to do with that color palette. It really made the orange right. <laughs> <laughs> the orange and brown and all that. Um, I mean, I've played more Sega Genesis in the last probably three or four years than I have re- like regular Nintendo or Super Nintendo. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I played a lot of Sega Genesis back in the day, but... Uh, not like I did the Super Nintendo. Oh, and of course they had blast processing, though. I mean, that just... Oh, that just, that's why NHL 94 was better, I'm thinking. <laughs> blast processing versus Mode 7, you're always going to win. Why well, Jeremy Rennick was superior on the Blackhawks. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we have one more piece of game news. Um, let's talk about Telltale. About why they failed. People in charge, of course. Uh, according to former narrative designer Emily Grace Bucks, she was at a uh, Sweden game conference 2018. And while she was there, she was, I guess she was giving a speech or some gimmick. Anyway, she had this to say uh, Our executive team insisted that what was popular about Gardens of the Galaxy was darkness and violence and sadness, and that people did not associate humor with that brand. I, I, honestly, I, I didn't know that uh, Zack Snyder was in charge of <laughs> Telltale. This is amazing. So, we redid the first two episodes to be less funny and more dark and more violent and more sad. And that's the game that shipped. And one of the biggest comments in editorial was that it felt very off-tone for Guardians of the Galaxy. And it wasn't very funny. And we were like, we know. She went on to state that if anyone wanted to go in and fix this problem, it could, they could end up in reassignment or termination. The executive's refusal to listen ended up being an issue and was never fixed. She added, quote, If you fought too hard, you would be taken off the project replaced, or even let go. 
and that happened to people on a number of occasions. So we were trying as hard as possible to cater to who our, our executive team was. Even though, wait, let me go back. I need to write bigger. So we were trying as hard as possible to cater to who our executive team thought our fan base was. This core gamer type audience. We did cultivate a pretty large audience of that type as well out of all the other types of people. PlayStation Lifestyle put a typo in there. That confused me. So, um... Core gamer is a term that needs to go extinct. I mean, that's... Games without campaigns and all that shit. It's, this, that's executive speak for... We don't really know what the fuck we're doing. We just think we do. But... These executives... Went and saw, you know, Man of Steel, and and they thought, well, everything should be Batman. That's right. Because that's what Guardians of the Galaxy was. It was Batman. There was another. I don't remember if it was her or not, but they were talking about how the people were saying that they're. Game engine was bucking. And like, oh yeah, I mean, yes, we we had some issues with our games model. You know, it was, it was it was buggy. The engine was a little bit buggy, but it wasn't as bad as what everybody thought. Because, like she was saying, we would have to do rewrites. We would have everything set up and everything would be running great, and then right at the end, executives just like this would come in and say, "You got to rewrite this." So then, how everything was running smooth, and it's multi-decisions, choose your own adventure, they have to go in there and rewrite everything. And you don't have time to fix it and make everything run nice and smooth. That's, right. that's why you go from you know, point A to point C, and now it's all a jumbled mess. And you can't make it a smooth transition. And of course, you get things like, like Batman. You no, know, episodes one and two were. I can't remember. One and two was jacked up, and then the end parts were fixed, or if it was vice versa. But that that was the problem because of rewrites, because of jackasses in charge. Yeah, that's fucked a lot of shit up in the last. Oh, I don't know. This current Hollywood era of meddling. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's bled over into everything. Just the uh, what's the word for it? Micromanaging and and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Won't you I mean, let the creators create, and you count the money. No, we have to. We have to check our boxes and make sure we hit all the 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 formulas that are put out there for us. It's acceptable, and then we'll compare make everything fit that imprint and then we'll release it and it just all has the same flavor and it's getting very bland. Remember that scene in Ed Wood when he was having that party and he was trying to get uh, financing and then yeah. the guy comes up and he's like, I'll finance your movie. He's like, really? Yeah. But I have this idea. Huh? I want a big explosion, big explosion. 
And then another guy's like, I have a, a, a cousin or whatever it was. So he has to put all this crap in his movie. And he can't make the movie he wants because he has to make everybody happy. There you go. Yeah. Everybody's screwing with their vision. This is what you get here. Idiots who have the money, who want everything to look the way they want, and they have no reason. This is freaking Warner Brothers. I think that these publishers need to cut back the number of people on a project and probably start with cutting back the management types. I mean, we mentioned NHL 94 a little while ago. Did you know that that was programmed mostly by one programmer in a freaking barn? Yes. I think you just need to go like... It was one guy that had a vision that learned something about the product that he was doing and listened to the testers and made the game. He didn't know jack shit about hockey except it was on ice and there was a goalie. And he made the most iconic hockey game ever fucking made. Because he listened to people other than himself. Yeah, well, well, George works. Lucas prequel trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Unfortunately, we're at the point now where you have to have 500 people making one game, which is yeah. fine as long as you don't have some idiot in charge who actually listen to the people and give them what they want. Ubisoft. Yeah. They seem to have realized the error of their ways. Oh, yeah. Odyssey is a great game. As, at least as far as quality of game goes. I really don't know how... I don't know if it's still the cutthroat world of... Basically, a, uh, a, a like an experimental post-apocalyptic survival scenario. <laughs> to, oh, the um, to work for Ubisoft. Oh no, that's uh, Konami. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's Capcom too. That's a lot of them having mm. issues. But anyways, yeah, that's that's not knowing your product yeah. that you're in charge of. That's probably yeah. somebody that was friends with somebody. It's nepotism or some yeah. shit that got them the job, and they're not qualified yeah. for it, and they don't care. There, there's still um, microtransactions in the game, but you have to want them. You have to actually go into the pause the game and go all the way over to the right side of the screen to go find the microtransactions. They're basically hidden. So, I mean, and it's really kind of cosmetic. I mean, it can help you, but eh. I mean, my favorite is the unicorn you can, you can ride around on. I mean, it, yeah, I heard it, about that. It's very, very um, historically accurate. Well, it's like, um, is it Origins? Odyssey. Origins. Yeah, the Egypt one? Yeah. Um, I haven't really messed with it a whole lot, but my son playing, I believe there was a Chocobo or Chocobo, whatever the hell they're called. Yeah, Chocobo. Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because I walked through the house one day and I saw him and I was like, that's from Final Fantasy. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't there's some purists that go balls out pissy about it because they're into the history side of it. You know, and and for them, the stretch of the story is yeah. as far as, well, the stretch of it. When you start adding stuff like chocobos and stuff, they get upset. Okay, you're, you're traveling back in, in time through some animus. I, okay, it's not I, historical. Anyway. Believe me, I've seen the arguments on the internet. And that's just, like I said, that the, the end of their tolerance is that stretch with the animus. 
after that, it's like, oh, it's got to be completely historically accurate. Yes, because there were assassin guilds and all that crap. Hey, whatever. Kiss my ass. I think there probably were. Yeah, but not... But the whole thing is about, like, some end-of-the-world bullshit, and there's... They have mythical creatures and gods and crap in these games. Yeah, I'm over... I was over that series after, like, part one anyways. I mean, I play some of the games in it, but it's just not my cup of tea. Odyssey's really good. The, the, oh, I'll come back to it. But yeah. Like the, Black Flag or whatever it was called. Yeah. Was that Black Flag Part 4? Yeah. I don't Mostly know. I just like sailing around the boat, fucking I, shit up. I hate the sailing, but other than that. wish I'd just make a sailing simulator. It's great. In VR? Yes, in VR with winches. Uh yeah. Like that chick from Return of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, we well, have, uh, before we segue into that, we have... Let's just go ahead and do those, because we'll, we'll do those last. Yeah, let's, 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 let's do, the, do that. Let's do the main topic last. We do things All right, that'll work. Because we might go on a little long. Let's segue into the sequel of Return of the Living Dead, which would be Return of the Living Dead Part 2, um, micro-review. It's actually a really cheesy, crappy movie that's a lot of fun. Um, the The effects can be really good and really bad at the same time. There are a few zombies in that one that are just epic 80s makeup and, and special effects work. And then there's some like the worm lady that has like worms hanging out of her face that aren't really all that good. But that one always stuck out to me when I was really young watching that series. Um, but anyways, they were on sale really cheap on Voodoo, so I got part two for like four bucks and part one for like a dollar, I think. So I think it's the cheapest I've seen a movie for purchase on there, but, um, it's got the, uh, oh shoot, I looked his name up a little while ago, because, and he was, uh, he played, um, Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th part six. It is. I'm so sorry, dude, because I love him. These two movies. Anyways, the hell with him. Fuck you, because I don't remember your name. Bastard Tom Matthews. <laughs> 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 but, anyways, he is. He, he overacts so bad in this movie that it's, it's, it's borderline brilliant. <laughs> I mean, it is. He's just. He's just so over the top in the delivery of his lines, like when he's acting like he's sick and stuff. But you know, it's what it's they call like, on Hollywood Babylon exquisite acting. Yeah, exquisite acting. Um, he is just off the chain in this movie. But you know, it's he he had a little bit of that in Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, but he was actually pretty effective in that film. Um, the other people, I'm not going to take time to read their names. Whatever, but you know you got the the child actor who actually wasn't too bad for child actor movie uh, or child actor being in a movie because usually me and Paul are just like yeah oh, there's a kid in the movie it sucks yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Sigourney Weaver and James Cameron already burned that goodwill up you know and even she was annoying sometimes but the the premise is is there is some sort of gas that can be released. And it turns you into a zombie. But the zombie isn't necessarily the zombies that are the current popular type zombie, like The Walking Dead, where they're just mindless. They say funny things, or 
they can figure simple things out. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, and I haven't seen this one in a couple years, the original Return of the Living Dead, they explained that when they eat the brains, that it's to take away the pain of being undead. And that's why they walk around going, brains, brains, that's part of their hunger. So, And I think this was the f- series of films that really made the whole brains concept kind of stick out, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't think they actually spoke in the very original. In the first one, I no, they didn't. It was the 1980s comedy one where they... Yeah, these are like the comedy. These are the really comedy versions of this series. Yeah. Uh, I've only seen the first two. I saw I saw the original a few times when I was younger and I've only seen part 2 like two maybe three times ever. Yeah. Once or twice when I was younger. But basically what happened was there was a split between um, the rights between the original writer John Russo of a novel called Return of the Living Dead. And him and George Romero had worked together to make the original Night of the Living Dead. And Russo retained the rights to anything with the um, – any title featuring Living Dead. So Romero could make his own movies. And I think his next one was Dawn of the Dead. Was that the second one that Romero did? Uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. The three he did. Okay, yeah. So that I don't something in the rights is what did this. But anyways, quick uh, bit of trivia here. Dan O'Bannon, who was the guy that created the Alien series by coming up with the original story, um, wrote this movie too. So yeah, it's it's one of those films that if you like cheesy eighties movies, it's gonna be right up your alley. But it's 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 pretty heavy on the cheese. Um, there's a lot of logical inconsistencies that are borderline Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, it goes it goes pretty far off the tra- cha- uh, track sometimes. But I'm saying if you see it for cheap or free, and you haven't seen it before, it's worth a watch. Um, I haven't watched Return of the Living Dead one in a long time. That's why I didn't really include much of that on this one because I just kind of randomly ended up watching two. But uh, maybe in a future podcast I can review that one. Um, this is our non-spoiler review. So, hmm. zombies eat people. There you go. I spoiled your movie. Well, it's Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, Road of the Dead, and Rise of the Living Dead. I'm trying to remember what the last one I watched was. Road of the Dead and Rise of the Dead have not been made yet. Okay, was there a City of the Dead? No. Hmm. There was one where they were, people were locked up in the city, and it was kind of like the, the, the haves and the have-nots, and I didn't really care for that one very much. Romero does not consider any of his dead film sequels, since none of the major characters or stories continue from one film to the next. Citation needed. Alright, so the other film that I saw this weekend was one very dear to my heart, Mr. Michael Myers. I now like two Halloween movies. (laughs) (laughs) I like the original and I like the new one. Um, The new Halloween is 
85% of a really, really good film with a disappointing final 15 minutes, in my opinion. Um, there's a scene, and this is a non-spoiler, there's a scene where they have two characters that haven't been in the movie, and all of a sudden they're there, and they take up several minutes of screen time for some attempt at humor. And from that point forward, the movie just a li- is, is significantly weaker. Um, a little bit of a letdown in the final confrontation. But uh, overall, like, for a movie with teenagers getting murdered, the acting is surprisingly solid top to bottom. Uh, the kills are not... It's not necessarily about the kills. So they're not these, like, crazy, thought-up ways where Michael Myers kills people. You know, how Jason got super creative. It was it was more about the evil and the you know just the unnatural drive to just murder that Michael Myers has. That's how I felt watching it. Uh, the movie has a lot of tension. Uh, the the lighting, the cinematography is all excellent. Jamie Lee Curtis is excellent. Uh, there is some really good performances. Uh, Again, the score is good. It's the original score, but there's some other, you know, a lot of really good themes. Um, I, I recommend going and seeing it. It is a little bit of a letdown at the end, but it's it's a pretty good movie. I really liked it. I give it an eight out of ten if I was going to put it on a ten point scale. Scott, a little Paul. better ending. We could be up to like a nine. So Scott and Paul rating it would be a rental or buy. I'd say buy. Buy. If you if you like horror movies in general, um, or Michael Myers is a definite buy. But the thing about this film is, for the most part, it does not reek of the current Hollywood flavor. It just seems like a really well put together movie. And my issues with the end is it's a disappointment in a little bit of the content rather than the execution. So maybe some people would like the ending based on their personal taste. Mm. So for me, it just wasn't up my alley. But it, to me, my my dislike of the end is more subjective than structural. So, so it wasn't Alien Invasion. That's, that's your problem. Yes, the Alien Invasion <laughs> did not happen, and I was pissed the fuck off. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I say go see it. I mean, it just... It is head and shoulders above most of the movies I've seen this year, period. And it's execution um, and everything else. Is I was really surprised. I thought it was just going to be okay. I really did. I saw, okay, this movie has good reviews. It probably, maybe it'll be okay. I didn't really have high hopes for it, but recently introducing my son to the series, he really wanted to go see it. So I was like, ah, fuck it. Let's go watch it. And I'm... I would almost go watch it again, like if I caught it a matinee and I was gonna watch something else that day and had a free afternoon. It was it was pretty good. Well, you weren't too happy with Danny McBride being one of the screenwriters. That blew my mind when I saw that during the credits. I was like, "Holy shit! Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know anything about his talent as a writer, uh, what he contributed or didn't contribute to the film. Um, as far as quality of the film, there was one part early on in the first third of the movie, there was a, two actors that, one of them actually did pretty well, but the adult that they had in the part 
wasn't good at all. And uh, he was he was too much of a caricature in a film that didn't have a whole lot of caricatures. So that's just all I will say. I mean, it, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything. He, it's a minor thing, but it was like it stood out like a sore thumb to me when he was on screen. But the like the two psychologists, they were very well acted. Uh, all the scenes they were in were really good. Uh, the police, other than those the the two police officers I was talking about earlier, everybody else, you know, it just it was good. I really liked the movie, which means Paul hates it. Yeah, I don't I don't like any of the Halloween films, so I'll probably hate this. But yeah, I, I, I could like this one too. So yeah, I I only like the original. I really did. I mean. Are there some cool kills in some of the other ones? Yeah, but I just I I've seen every one of the Halloween movies except the second zombie one, which I will not t- waste time watching <laughs> after watching the first one. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just not a series that to me has again. I like the original movie. I think it's a very good movie, but they and that was one of the most mismanaged properties like ever. And if I'm not mistaken, Halloween was originally supposed to have been an anthology series. It was supposed to be about Michael Myers and this big, long-running series of sequels. It was always going to be each movie was a different horror theme around Halloween. That was the original idea. And then, of course, you know, Hollywood execs, hey, this movie got a good reviews. It got good money. Let's make another one with the same guy. Except for Season of the Witch. What the fuck? I mean, I think Michael Myers is iconic. It's a cool-looking design. Um, well, it's William Shatner, of course. It's cool. Predates fucking uh, Jason, so... Yeah. I want to make a correction here. Uh, the last two films, Road of the Dead, that was not George Romero. Uh, that is going to be. It was co-written with George Romero, but it's going to be a Matt Berman film. And Rise of the Living Dead is written and directed by George Romero's son, G. Cameron Romero. So there we go. Actually, I, just, I was just. I had this up on my screen here. O'Bannon, who I mentioned about Alien and Return of the Living Dead, he was a um, he was involved with the first Return of the Living Dead, not the second one. So, but whatever. Okay. Uh, did not see Castlevania season one, but you saw Castlevania season two. You have oh, that's right. You said you don't have Netflix, which I no. sent you my info. Um, I think there's something coming on later this year. I'm like. I might be watching it. I don't know. But, Castlevania Season 2. What's up yes. with that? Well, freaking amazing. Uh, Is it better than uh, Voltron and Troll Hunters? Yes. Lies. Lies. Yes. yes. Troll Hunters is one of the best series ever. Wait a minute. I thought you were talking about the Swedish movie. No, I was talking about the, the TV Nordic series. Movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't picked that up yet. What? I haven't. No, I haven't. Sue me. Well, Sue me. You ain't got no money. You're like me. You're doing this podcast, so you are right. Broke. 
Yeah, I will get to that eventually. Um, Troll Hunters. Season 2 of Flash, right? <laughs> yeah. Troll Hunters Tales of Arcadia is one of the best series ever. Everybody should watch it. I bet Castlevania's better. Just no, saying. You're wrong. Vampires, wolves, and creatures of the night. But, uh, Does yeah. They have the... hot redheads who are get eat by zombies. No. Is she redheaded or blonde in this one? I'm trying to think. She doesn't get ate by zombies, though. Is her name Nina? No, it is not Nina. <laughs> it is Cypher. Um, and she's like French or something. The uh, Castlevania um, has been a very pleasant surprise. Like, I always wanted to see a Castlevania movie, but I've always, for the last few years, it's always been some bullshit hearing Paul An- Paul W. Anderson's name attached to it. So yeah. I was just like, I'd rather they didn't. So they announced a Netflix series, and I was a little disappointed at first, and I thought, well, that may save it from Paul Anderson. I don't even know who the hell is in charge of the series. All I know is they do a very, very good job. <clears throat> and season one was excellent. The season two uh, is better, in my opinion. It has twice the episodes. It goes from four to eight. Uh, they, the first episode or two, probably probably the first two episodes, a little bit of a slow burn on those two episodes. But after that, you know, things start happening and the plot starts to develop. And this is non-spoiler. Um, the the art. The voice acting, the writing, the dialogue, for the most part, the dialogue. I mean, sometimes it gets a little wordy. Die, you monster. You don't belong in this world. Does he say that? Probably. But, you know, just dumb shit like that occasionally. <laughs> but, yeah, it's not that bad. Um, oh, that's the soundtrack great. That's is great excellent. dialogue. The soundtrack is excellent. Uh, what does I mad? The voice actor for Dracula... Is, is just it, is he's it, amazing. Is it the same one from Seventh Day Tonight? Hell, I don't know. If it's not, it's bullshit. No, it's not the same one. Oh, this, this guy is much better. Oh, um, what? How dare you? Yes. In fact, it's so funny you said that because I just heard the guy from Symphony of the Night a little while ago, and he's like talking about being brought back for people to pay tribute to him or some shit. Pay and tribute it was just to like, him. What? It, yeah, at the beginning of the game when Richter um, faces um, Dracula, yeah. Dracula makes some comment about being brought back by people just so he can be worshipped or some shit like that. And it was just like, he delivered it like uh, the guy from Return of the Living Dead too. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he is all the fuck in on letting you have this. Um, I'd say the biggest weakness of the series... It's probably Trevor Belmont. It's not that he's really bad, but he just seems a little flat too many times. And he is... Let's see here. I think I looked him up earlier. Yeah. He's the guy from that played Thor and Oakenshield in the Hobbit bloated movies. So... Mm. He's just kind of... Mm, yeah, he's not that fantastic. I mean, he's, he's not bad. But... He can be a little flat sometimes. But, I mean, if you like anime or you like, um, if you like, um, the horror theme, which is kind of what this episode's yeah. surrounding, 
you know, this is right up your alley. You know, if you like any of those things or the old games, any of that stuff like that, it's just it's just top notch from start to finish. And especially the seventh episode, like there when when it really got going in the seventh episode, the hair stood up on my neck a little bit. It was just it was awesome. So what, there's four episodes in season one, there's like eight in this one? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, you felt like you was getting just a little bit teased in season one. Like you just wish there were more, and then you get eight episodes in this one. So pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a buy. No, you're buying into it for Netflix. Fourteen dollars a month. Well, so is it? Is it everything you thought it would be now? Since they're doing eight episodes. Oh yeah. Is it more action-paced, or is it more talky-talky and then a little bit of action? It's. They sprinkle the action, especially the first half of the season. It's more of sprinkles of action. And then the action builds a lot more in the second half. Uh, They're on a journey during the first few episodes, and that kind of takes precedent over just fights. But they they mix up each episode with you get to see um, some sort of confrontation that is just really cool to watch. There's a lot of gore. I mean, it's there's blood freaking everywhere. It's like Fist of the North Star with whips. See, I think Warren Ellis was supposed to be the writer, but I don't know if he's writing he, season two or not. Yes, he is the writer. Is he writing all of them? Season one and two? Yes. Okay, so writing should be good. He might be a little bit slow on building the story. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's excellent. So. Is it, are they creating their own story, or are they basing it, I think they're, they're basing it on three? It's based on three, uh, with a sprinkling of, well, more than a sprinkling, a good dose of Symphony of the Night, and a... What was the one for the Xbox with the Forge Masters? Whatever one that was. There, there's some of those characters in it. Hector. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think what the name of that that one was. Um, Curse of Darkness. So, yeah. And the actors for the Forge Masters are excellent. Well, according to this, according to Parrot Analytics, Castlevania was the most popular digital original series in the United States during January 6th through the 19th, 2017, with the show generating 23,175,616 demand expressions on average. Uh, 
and remains seventh most in man digital original show in the United States through October 11, 2017. By the end of 2017, Castlevania was the year's 15th most in demand digital original series in the United States, averaging 18,137,196 demand expressed throughout the year. It was, yeah, that's a lot. It was also one of the year's top 20 most in demand original series in the United Kingdom, Japan, Brazil, Mexico, France, Canada, Germany, and Australia. So, did pretty good for only four episodes. It's the only video game adaptation on Rotten Tomatoes to have a fresh rating. Now, here's the question. Will Mario be better? Ooh, I don't know. Um, hmm. Probably, probably will be much better. I mean, how do you adapt Mario? I don't care who the hell you put on it. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the Saturday morning cartoon they used to have. That's about oh, as far as you can go. Will Detective Pikachu be better? Yeah. So. Well. Let's go to our main topic since we like to bury the lead. This is the horror-themed episode, so we're going to discuss our favorite lists of horror themed games mm. so let's go through this list here mine did well, you put these in order for you or no, no just, this just what came to mind yeah this is a random list here well I'd say the top one's probably right <laughs> the top two anyways top two top three top four top five top six that's actually not a bad list, really, in my opinion. Being an alien, not I'd move it up higher, but whatever. Um, Castlevania is the first one. Yeah, it's not scary, but it deals with horror. We got vampires. We got goddamn Medusa flying heads. I hate those fucking those bitches. Bitches. <laughs> oh yes. my god, worst character in games. The most annoying. Yeah, they're pretty annoying. Especially considering there's usually the platforms that flip if you jump on them or get knocked oh, yeah. back onto them. <laughs> you die instantly. It's just like, oh. Yeah, she's like a mini boss in herself. The, the thing about... <laughs> Sorry. Good. Well, I'm just saying is the fact that the way your character was in the first game. Whenever you get hit, the way you jump back. Yeah. And it's all spaced just perfectly to make you land like that. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to jump over some platform over water or some crap. There's nothing there. I hate flying dudes the heads. It's the enemy I hate most in games. You can give me bats or spiders or whatever. It's the friggin' flying Medusa head. I hate that bitch more than anybody. Well, the, the thing about Castlevania at the time it came out was you've got this game with all of these awesome themes. You have Frankenstein, you have the wolves, the panthers, the zombies, the Grim Reaper, Medusa, like Medusa, Medusa, uh, mummies, all these just Dracula. I mean, it's just, there wasn't, I don't, I don't think there was anything at the time that had that combination. Yeah. I don't know if that was the first game Dracula was a 
antagonist or not. Seems that I heard that before, but I can't swear to it. Um, and it was ported to everything. That's I was I was just a couple years ago that I learned that it had been ported to anything but a Nintendo. Uh, I always thought it was just a Nintendo or Famicom game, and actually it has uh, been on like the MSX and Amiga and all these different computers from back in the day. So, I mean, it's, it is a really good game with a really good soundtrack and a really simple, um, just really simple design, but, you know, you can you hold up and press your B button and you throw an axe or a dagger or something, just depending on which weapon you pick up. You kind of have to make a choice sometimes. What may seem like a really cool upgrade to a weapon may not be the weapon that would help you the most in your upcoming boss fight or platforming section. Uh, the level design is 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 pretty good. Um, it's not a long game, the original, but no. it's, it's a very, very good game. Um seems to me I can burn through it in less than 30 minutes real easy. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Scott. In fact, it might even be like 20 minutes. I can't swear to it, but I think it doesn't take very long to beat that game. I've never timed myself. That's a game that I can s- just smash through because I've played the shit out of it over the decades. It's like Contra. I can just randomly, not even really aiming, just trying to have fun and sometimes no death Contra because I've played it so much. Um, the second... Uh, the second game in the series was a little bit of a departure from the first one. Um, it gets a lot of shit, but I still think it's a really, really good game. It's just absurdly hard, and there's some clues that you don't get unless you're reading like a magazine or someone randomly accidentally finds them. And this isn't like finding clues in games these days <laughs> or something actually points out, hey, there might be something over here to go check out. It's just you had to get lucky on a few things because a lot of the translation of the text from Japan to America was screwed up, and that really screwed up some of the hints that you were given in the game. Um, I can't remember specifically what they are, but I do know that was one of the issues with that game. Um, I actually did manage to defeat that game uh, when I was, I don't know, 9 or 10 years old without a guide. So it's one of those games that's really hard. But if you play it enough and you you remember what you did, you can you can finish it. Um, it's not as directionless as the first Zelda, that's for sure. Castlevania 3, you had like the switching mechanic with the different characters. Sypha, the wizard, Alucard, the son of Dracula, and Grant the Nasty, the uh, pirate that it was like a zombie pirate ghoul thing that could climb on ceilings and walls and stuff. And you had to defeat a boss to unlock them, and then you had to choose which one went with you. So you'd lose your companions partway through the game. So yeah. Castlevania 3 was yeah. the best of those three overall. I'm going to butcher this, but it's Akumajo Dracula. was the original name. It was developed and published by Konami for the family commuter... Commuter... Computer Disk System in 1986. Due to its success in Japan, it was released in cartridge format for the NES under the title of Castlevania in 87 and 88 in North America and Europe, respectively, and released in cartridge format for the Famicom under its original title in 93. The international name of Castlevania was the result of Konami of America's Senior Vice President... Yep... His discomfort with the religious connotations of the title, which he believed translated as Dracula's Satanic Castle. 
Castlevania was one of the first major platform games on the NES as a part of an unofficial second wave of video games for the NES. Its release conceded, conceded, coincided with the 90th anniversary of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And the, the, the box art for the first game is some of the best in the history of freaking box art. It is awesome looking. The 86? 97 or the re-release? The Nintendo. Oh. All three box arts are really good, but the first one's definitely head and shoulders above the other two. I'm looking at the box art for that one right now. I just went through all of them. Castlevania 4s is pretty good, too. It's very easy, though. But, speaking, moving forward, Castlevania 4 added the whip mechanic where you could like hook it on to these grappling points and swing back and forth. And it added um, where you could like hold down the whip button and you could flip the whip around to do different things with it. So, plus you had the eight directional whip. So if you that was pretty awesome. Um, but I mean, essentially, Super Castlevania Four was kind of a remake of the first one. So I would say I, Symphony of the Night is probably would be next on the list. Probably we have Bloodlines. Forgot about it. Yeah. I never played a lot of Bloodlines. I've just played it a little bit. And And it's been 20 years, 25 years since I played it. I need to to resolve that, but I know that game's expensive to buy. They have the Resident Evil series on here. At least one, two, and four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Resident Evil was... My first experience with Resident Evil was Resident Evil 2. I went back and played one. A few months after I played too, but you know, yeah, it was. Um, But I mean, that's a great series. You know, you had those tank controls and everything. But your your theme, the zombies, the setting, the tension, the stress, the jump scares, the crazy bosses, in all of them. just crazy. You had the giant shark. You had the big snake. Uh, you have the liquors. You have uh, uh, the jumps, titan. Yeah, the jump scare from the dog. The jump scare from the dog. You know, the first time you see that zombie in Resident Evil 1, even though I'd already played 2, was still creepy as shit. Yeah. Um, that was, I really wish I'd have played part 1 first, just because yeah. of that first encounter. Yeah. Um, yeah, the voice acting it was off the charts terrible in part one, right. and not much better in most of the others. But geez, part one was terrible. Um, oh, you had those um, FMVs, not really FMVs, but you had those cutscenes in, in the first one, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Resident Evil Four with the whole new control scheme and everything. But it was a really excellent game that played really well. Yeah, I played a bit on the Wii. Um, and I, I believe that's pretty much widely considered to be the superior version because of the Wii remote and the ability to aim. I mean, you could headshot like a freaking ace on that game. Okay. The 
Well, and that made me think of something else that's not on the list was Dino Crisis. Which yeah. was also released by Capcom. That was a really good game. Yeah, that's basically Resident Evil with dinosaurs. Yeah, that's, that's, that is the simplest definition of Dino Crisis, and it is a very, very good game. Um, Dead Space. It was a really good series that kind of went too mainstream, like we were talking about earlier with like people not knowing what they got to do with their property, not letting the creators create. That's the... That's, that's what sucks about Dead Space. It's such a good series, but the biggest thing about the series is how it kind of went downhill. <laughs> yeah, as soon as they got to three, that's when EA decided they're going to put microtransactions in there. Yeah, fuck EA again. See, such a common thread in games. Fear, um, first encounter, assault, recon. Is that what that stands for? If I'm not mistaken, something like that. But that was a great game. Man, that was a good freaking game. Scary that was a game as shit. <laughs> yes, I remember that was one of the. I had a 360, and I wanted to play Fear ever since I first heard about it. But I was in the Warcraft obsession at the time, so I ended up buying Fear several years after it came out. And I sat down and just burned through it because I couldn't put it down. But I wanted to put it down because my heart was beating so hard sometimes. Um, I've never played Fear 2. I believe there's a Fear 3, isn't there? Um, maybe. I know I have one and two. I might have three. But yeah, I have it on PC. I want to say there's a three. I know I have one and two. I have one on the Xbox, and I have one and two on the Steam, because they were like $2. Yeah, I think that's all done. They go on sale a lot for super yeah. cheap. So definitely, if you see those games on sale on Steam, grab them, because yeah. you're going to... You're going to see them in the summer or winter sale for dirt cheap. We should like probably tell people months. what it is. It's a first-person shooter. Yeah, it's a first-person shooter with uh, supernatural enemies and a lot of scary stuff going on. Yeah, you're, you're um, be just going about your business, killing. I, I don't know what who you're trying to go after, and then all of a sudden, this little girl, kind of like um, think of the ring, It'd be like that girl showing up and just scaring them. Jesus, I love you. This pop. Yeah. Up. Use headphones. <laughs> Eternal play. Darkness for the GameCube. That was an exclusive. Um, I would say this is probably the best one out on the list. If you want to go with fear. If you want to go with being scared, that's definitely... It's one or two. But, yeah. Well, if your system gets fucked up, and you don't know what's going on, because your system will just shut off itself. It, it would trick it. you, yeah. yeah. It would tell you your controls disconnected and just like crazy shit like that, and it, the game's just fucking with you. It's such a great idea that they had with that, um, and that game has a little bit of value to it too. That's not one that yeah. you can get for like less than thirty bucks, I don't think. Um, very good game, awesome uh, game. kind of like Resident Evil ish. Um, I never got without, to finish that game, but yeah, it was awesome. I need I need to get a copy of that and go back. I remember renting it. Uh, Silent Hill one and two. Uh, this is where I got to kind of jump off board, and I didn't really play a whole lot of Silent Hill. Yeah. What was the one I played? I only played one Silent Hill. Yeah. I know what they are. I appreciate them. It's just something I need to I need to rectify this, but. I don't have a whole lot of experience with Silent Hill. Yeah, I never finished them either. It's those were rentals. I get like halfway through, and then it's just with you know, I was a teenager. I was going to school. Never got to finish them. No money. Yeah. I see three games on here that I think are neck and neck for fear. 
and that's Eternal Darkness, Alien Isolation, and Outlast. Um, I've talked about Alien Isolation on the podcast before because I'm an alien junkie, yeah. but that game absolutely terrifies me. Um, I had to play it in like 30-minute sessions because my heart just couldn't take it. It's about to beat out of my chest. Uh, the only problem with Alien Isolation really is... Uh, it's not two- in VR. Yeah, it's not in VR. There's three problems in. It's not in VR. It's a little long in the tooth, and they're probably not making a sequel because the sales were just mediocre. So, of course, we can blame the infamous Aliens Colonial Marine for that because I'm pretty sure that that killed goodwill for the series. Yeah, probably for the for the brand in video games. I mean, AVP 2010 was kind of met with a sigh, like yeah, man. Alien Isolation, they should just put that on Game Pass and PlayStation Plus. Yeah, why not? So, who knows? It's a very, very good game. Outlast is a pretty terrifying game, too. And it plays a lot like Alien Isolation. Um, It has a few different mechanics. You don't have all the crafting that you do in Alien. But it... The thing it runs that makes it a little different is the video camera that you're you're observing parts of the game through. Um, Outlast is absolutely terrifying, just like the other two we mentioned. And gameplay-wise, it's probably just a little bit better than Alien Isolation. Even though Alien's probably my favorite game on this list, not named Castlevania or Resident Evil. So, uh, The Metro series... Yeah, those, those could be pretty scary. I mean, if you were down there with you know, mutants and shit, it probably would Yeah, there's, oh, there's some scenes when you're underground and you just have like a freaking lighter to burn the cobwebs back with. It's pretty... Yeah, it can get intense. Um, you know, which is your post-apocalyptic, post-nuclear war type stuff with all the irradiated mutant creatures. It's, it's definitely a game that has some horror elements to it. Who the fuck uh, wants to live in Russia anyway? That's pretty scary. Yeah, especially post-war Russia. Um, the Last of Us uh, slapped me on the hand. I own this and still haven't played it. <laughs> wow. Which one? Remastered? Yeah, just punch me right in the mouth yeah. right now. Yeah. I should fix that, like, this week. Well, you still haven't finished Horizon Zero Dawn. No, no, I haven't. Um, well, your PlayStation doesn't even work, does it? Yeah, it works. It's just really loud. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner. Even after fixing the thermal paste on, I don't know what's wrong with it. Don't really care. Well, you need to borrow mine. Dead it. Rising. That's a good series. That's kind of more of a. It's it's horror themed. Yeah, it's not really the horror thing. game. Yeah, this is a horror themed games. Yeah. Um, those are fun, especially if the crafting got crazy for some of your weapons you could come up with as the series got older. Um, when the first one came out, it was a huge deal because there were so many enemies on the screen at once. Yeah. And it was just hard to fathom. Uh, Friday 13th on the NES. This is a game that is... If you play this game without looking it up on the internet, it's really not a good game. To yeah. play through it one time, it's actually a pretty decent game if you understand how the game works. Once you understand how the map works in Friday the 13th, this becomes a whole new game. When you realize what Jason's movement pattern is. And it can create a ton of tension 
And sometimes when Jason pops up on the road, it can scare the shit out of you. When I played through it, it was last Friday the 13th of, of October in 2017, I decided I was beating this freaking game after all these years, and I was going to do it on that day. And I had spent the previous day doing some practice runs and stopped short of what I thought might be the winning attempt just so I could start again the next day. I wish now that I had just done it that time because it took me like five hours to get everything to fall into place just the way I needed it to finish the game. So Friday the 13th, I think, is a underrated in respect of understanding things in the game that are not explained by the game, things that you had to find out on your own. It's one of those things that took someone making a walkthrough on game facus for me to truly appreciate the game. It's not, I'm not saying it's a great game. I'm just saying it's a good game that can create some tension and fear. As simple as it is. Uh, Walking Dead Season 1. Really There's a really good story. That typical Telltale gameplay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Walking Dead has some fear moments, but... The biggest thing about it is that it, you get emotionally attached to Lee and uh, some of the characters, and you have to make choices that can end some of the characters. It's just a sad game. And then the company goes under because of the choices you make. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> they should make The next company that makes a game should make Telltale, Telltale. Studios or whatever, season one. The choices you make can keep it afloat or sink it. House of the Dead. Fan-freaking-tastic series of light gun shooters. I believe there are four of these in the arcade. There's a couple compilations for, like, the Wii, and then you have for the PS3. And it's also on PC, too. Yeah, so... No. PlayStation Move and all that, yeah. right? Yeah, if you're going to play it, either play it on PC or use, like, a Move controller. Because it's pain in the ass if you're using this controller. Oh, yeah. Night Trap. Yeah. We went over Night Trap earlier. We know why we really yeah. played it. Condemned. That game was yeah. scary. Condemned Criminal Origins was... a a game that I played the demo like a dozen times. Yeah. Yeah. That's a game that if you see it at GameStop, it's like freaking $4. So. It's also backward compatible. Yeah, there's also a sequel, isn't there? Yeah, Condemned 2. Yeah, Condemned 1, Criminal Origins. That's the only one I played. I played part of it outside the demo. I think I rented it from Gamefly or something years ago. Eh, until dawn. I need to get that. Yeah, if you had PlayStation Plus, you could have got it. You yeah. wouldn't be able to download it, but you could have got it. Right for eight bucks, I think I, I think I can get it for like eight dollars. Yeah. So, what was the other one that came out? The Evil Within. Evil Within. Yeah. Yeah. Part one is. I, I've I've played part one, but I never finished it. I've always heard that part one was okay, and that part two was really good. But I don't really know how true that is myself. Am- yeah, amnesia is pretty scary as well. Amnesia, yes. 
Man, that's I'm glad you thought of that one. That's probably that would be up there with That's scary as hell. It's really be up scary. Up there with that last and Yeah, okay, so now we have four that are neck and neck. For I, the fear fact. I tried playing Amnesia the other day. I couldn't do it. Because where my TV's fifty inches. It's like I can't do it. It just gave me motion <laughs> sickness. I have another friend that has tried to play Amnesia a couple times, and he can only make it like two hours into the game. He ends up quitting and going back, you know, a year or two later to try again and quitting because his heart can't freaking stand the tension. Now, when I had like my old monitor, a little 13 inch monitor, I could play it just fine. Yeah. But, but now that uh, I got hooked up to the 50, no, I just, it, I can't do it. No, the way to play that game is a surround sound or a freaking uh, good set of headphones. Because when the water monster starts nailing the water, it's like, oh my god, I'm going to die. I might be able to stream it to my Mac. I might be able to do that and play it that way. But I could try it again. Yeah, I actually tried to play through it on PlayStation Plus um, or on PS3. Was it on PS3? It's PS3 or PS4. Yeah. I have a board of it. And I was like, oh, I'll try and play through this again. And my subscription's gone for PS Plus, so I don't really mm-hmm. care. I'll beat that game one of these decades. <laughs> uh, it's so far behind there. Uh, the original Alien vs. Predator Marine campaign was high on the freaking tension. The AVP2 and AVP3 did not do as good a job. Um, I'd say AVP3 did the better job with the Marine campaign as far as trying to make you scared uh, versus part two, but I think part one is still the scariest one. The Terminator for... Nah, that's not really horror-themed. I was thinking Terminator for, like, Sega CD. Oh, yeah, that's not. Robocop versus Terminator, stuff like that. That's not. Yeah, that's more like Contra. Yes. I guess the horror... I guess Terminator 1 would be kind of like a horror movie. I mean, it's, like, it's kind of like a slasher. I mean, if you're Sarah Connor, it's kind of horror. Yeah, it's, I'd say it's a horror movie, in a way. Sci-fi, horror, thriller, whatever you want to call it. I mean, Dead Rising's on the list. That's parody horror. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the evil, there's the Evil Dead game. I yeah. Mean, I mean, every superhero game's freaking horror up to, like, the new Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, that game's horrible. I hate that game. The um, yeah. Devil May Cry yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of hard. Yeah. Bayonetta kind of, but uh, they have demons. But angels she's, and demons. She's, she's so satire, so over the top, it kind of... Yeah, she's tongue-in-cheek. She knows what, she, what she's doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, those, ones are, those titles are kind of a stretch. Yeah, Monster Party for regular Nintendo. Mario Party is a freaking horror game if you got friends and family. <laughs> if you like Nintendo 64 joysticks to stay intact, yeah. that's a horror. Uh, <laughs> Luigi's Mansion's horror-themed. Yeah, there you go. Technically, I mean, that technically, is, that's, technically. that's a good series of games, too. Um, did you hear me when I said Monster Party for regular Nintendo? Monster Party, yeah. And then, you know, had some really cool-ass-looking bosses. Um, then you have uh, 
Zombies Ate My Neighbors, Super Nintendo and Genesis. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, I mean, there are there's a lot of good games on the retro systems that can creep you out. So we're going with Night Trap. <laughs> yeah, Night Trap. Definitely king of, king of controversy, anyways. And yeah, it wins controversy. Gosh, yeah. just think if Outlast would have came out in the 90s with all the swinging dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you haven't played Outlast, prepare to see penises. Like a lot of them. Uh, well. Big, thick ones. Well, would, <laughs> would Manhunter be uh, considered horror? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a stretch. Yeah. The yeah. first first prey. Half Life. Kind of science fiction y horror. Well, if you're going just on a story alone, Walking Dead would win this one. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean you get so emotionally attached. There I mean there were moments where things would happen, you just sit there and you're like, What the fuck? Pure gameplay on this list that we gave today, probably Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of shedding the horror idea. That's just the pure gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'd have to say that Symphony of the Night's the king of the one. Oh, Splatterhouse is on here. We didn't talk about it. Yeah. There was a couple different versions of that. That's a very good game. Lots of cool blood. I would put Splatterhouse in there with probably Dead Rising. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Splatterhouse, the game where you got a hero that's in love, but he looks a whole lot like Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just smash shit. Best yeah. psychological, I would, I would put that, Eternal Darkness. Oh, yeah. I mean, a game that tells you your control's not working or disconnected or whatever it did, that is pretty cool. Yeah. And, the, I mean, the fact that you're playing the game and then your character's getting so psychologically fucked up, your whole system shuts off, and then you literally sit there and say, What the fuck? And then your system comes back on. Yeah. Did you include Maniac Mansion? Uh, I, I haven't played that game in so long. I don't even remember what it's about. You got the aliens and the tentacles and the crazy scientists. Oh, yeah, that was um, Tim Schafer's game, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. No, that wasn't Tim Schafer. He no, you're thinking... No, tentacle. this is really the tentacle. Just... Yeah. Yeah, you're thinking of Day of the Tentacle, which the Tentacle makes a cameo. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was a freaking awesome game. Um, I walked by a guy's office the other day, and he had retro music playing off of YouTube, and I just was like, "It's Maniac Mansion," without even seeing his computer. He's like, "How the hell did you know that?" I was like, "Dude, I spent hours playing that game." I mean, I played through it like multiple times too. Oh, played the yeah, absolute yeah. shit out of that game. Maniac Mansion. Yeah. Yeah. Played a ton of Maniac Mansion. Um, that was in Grim Fandango. Yeah. 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 Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. The especially the, um, the as far as quality one. goes, the newer one was pretty good. Yeah. Definitely, definitely plays really well in the Wii. Plays okay on the other systems. But the Wii version stands above the other ones, in my opinion. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah there's a lot of lots of good games. Oh, yeah. I know Castlevania we missed that will get us crucified. This Rondo of Blood or Dracula X. So with Richter. 
I love Dracula X, yeah. Yeah, those are really good. Those are excellent. Yeah. I mean, same game, but still excellent. TurboGrafx-16 versions, pretty awesome. Uh, yep. Yeah. I'd say that's good enough list. I'd say that's a good list. Because it isn't necessarily that the game's scary, it's just that it's themed around horror. Yeah. But if I had to pick one that I think is the scariest on there... Just one. I don't know. Outlast was pretty damn scary. Yeah, I've narrowed it down. For me, it's narrowed down to Alien Isolation and Outlast now. But yeah, that psychological element with Eternal Darkness was pretty epic. I would say Doom is horror-based too, but we didn't put that on there. Yeah, Doom is definitely horror-based. Quake. Nah, uh, Quake's yeah. not really. Yeah, it's sci-fi type sci-fi. stuff. Um, yeah. Hexen. Yeah, I had uh, people play Outlast before, and they were. Yeah, they they jumped. It's running from Dick Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> Death Space is a really good game. Yeah. But if, you, if you're going for pure horror. Yeah, those are pretty scary. Uh,. Pure horror, it'll probably be. I mean, it depends on what horror you're going for. If you're going for that, there's always something out to get you. It would be alien isolation. If you're going for constant jump scares, it'd be Outlast. Resident Evil Nemesis kind of has the alien isolation vibe to, or alien isolation has the Nemesis vibe to it. Isolation, you're just you can't fucked. Do, yeah, you just can't do anything. You have no power. Yeah, you're fucked. There's just no other way. Of, you're just yeah. fucked. <laughs> it's, it's fuck you right in the ass. It's just like my job I have right now in real life. There's nothing I can do. Yeah, you're just fucked. Uh, Outlast kind of has that feeling too. At least yeah, in Re- you have no power. You just can run. At least in Resident Evil, you can shoot. I mean, at least in Outlast, you can't. You can run. In Alien Isolation, if you run, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're just fucked. Especially on Nightmare Mode, when the fucking motion tracker is all jacked up and doesn't work right. Yeah, I, I would say probably Isolation is probably the scariest one. I would guess in that sense. I could. I mean, think of it this way too. You're playing it with the lights off, and you got your fucking Kinect or your um, PS camera set up to play with it. For if you fart or belch or something, <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> the Alien Isolation, you're fucked edition. Isolation would be really good in VR. Yes, it would. Vibe yeah, would be really fun. You know, you're crawling around. Yeah. System Shock from way back in the day. Too bad the Steam ports fucked up. Yeah. And they never did patch it. Uh, they're making a new one, though. So. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That'll be good. Well, okay, so if, if there's a Steam sale, you want some scary shit, pick up Fear and Alien Isolation. And the Metro series. I mean, hell, it's always on sale. The Redux, the version, whatever they call it. Well, Colonial Marines could be the scariest fucking example of a 
bullshit developer lying through their fucking teeth thinking you're going to get a nostalgia-based fucking superb tactical-based shooter with amazing graphics and super smart AI. Instead, you get fucked like you're running from an alien in alien isolation. Yeah. So. Yeah. How can I don't really need to sit down and play Last of Us. Yes, you do. Well, you need. There's a couple games you need to play. You need to come down, pick up my Fatal Frame. Those are scary. Yeah, I've never played one, but I heard they're scary. Yeah, I played the uh, the one for the Wii. Yeah, yeah, I played the one for the Wii. Yeah, it's only one played. Pick up my PlayStation Four. My one is just sitting there collecting dust. Oh, speaking of PlayStation 4s, what if you have a PlayStation 4 so it has the demo for PT on it? Yeah, yeah, PT That was scary as fuck. And I happen to have a PlayStation 4 with that on it. I do too. Never delete that. Yeah. I made sure that I ported mine over to my Pro. So you have to do the review for God of War. Spider-Man and Horizon Zero Dawn. And you need to pick up the uh, GTX 980 so you can start doing PC gaming. Yeah, it's winter. I'll do a lot more gaming now. Yeah, so you just need to get your ass down here and pick that stuff up. Because I'm not driving up there. So Scott's got some reviews to do. It's happening. I mean, I, I would give Scott my Final Fantasy 15, but there's no way he's going to be able to download an 87 gig file update. I can't afford that shit, man. <laughs> I'll have to download it for him. I guess technically I could do it. All right. Well, that's it. Um, unless there's something you want to tell people to listen to or watch... Uh, go watch Halloween. Go watch Halloween. Um, play Odyssey, I guess. It's a good game. Okay. Oh, and go watch the, um, Becky Lynch versus, uh, Charlotte Flair match. It was actually pretty good. The one from the Women's Evolution. I mean, I'm not going to do a review right now because we're getting a little long here on the podcast, but, um, Venom was pretty good considering. I mean, I, I was a... I went in not wanting it to be exactly like the comic because I knew it wasn't going to be best, but I thought it was a pretty solid movie. Especially for a Sony film. That's what you need to do. Get your matinee and watch Halloween and fucking Venom in the same day. Pick up a double feature. Yep. Yeah. And then take your kids trick-or-treating. It'll be a good evening. Good day. Speaking of good day, good day to you, sirs and madams. Yes. Happy Halloween.